West of Twin Peaks Radio back again. Today, a very special encore episode featuring four local guest artists chatting about four of their recent releases. This is a first ever Best of West of Twin Peaks Radio with MJ Call on BFF.FM San Francisco. As a young girl, Louis Vuitton with your mother on a sandy lawn. Hello, hello, hello. MJ here again from San Francisco, sort of. I'm actually off on a personal sabbatical for two weeks, so today I've assembled four recent guest artist segments, spotlighting four recently released albums. You're going to hear San Francisco's Maria Dangecourt talk about her new solo project called Med School and their debut LP, Raw. Abracadabra from the East Bay chats about their critically acclaimed album, Shapes and Colors. Emerging San Francisco band Stepchildren takes us through their post-apocalyptic dance banger debut, Nar Noir. And I'm starting with the fabulous West Marin singer-songwriter Kelly McFarlane and our conversation about her most recent record, released in December, a talk that started with the title track off the album, Bed of a River. The way you see it I was bed of a river in the spring Beneath the surface Stones rolling with every heavy rain Gravity, the way you see it. 
morning. Good morning. How's it going? It's going good. When did you start working on Bed of a River? We started working on it in early early 2020. Um, yeah, we started writing the music for it probably like spring 2020. I think when it started, the songs started becoming becoming themselves. So that was like early, that was like at the beginning of lockdown. Yeah, very much so. You know, just the circumstances of having time and space to work on music was is kind of more of what you're going to hear as opposed to those themes. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I think maybe it was kind of like a self-soother. <laughs> Did you spend a lot of time outside? Yeah, I mean, I was spending a lot of time outside. I mean, that was one of the nice things about living in a place where I had a lot of access to nature. Um, I spent a lot of time outside. And I think in general, that's kind of a pretty important factor in life for me. So um, a very regular occurrence. So I, I think I think we, yeah, I definitely spent a lot of time outside. Um, you know, it was getting a little stir crazy in the tiny house. So, <laughs> so, and did you did you isolate mostly with just your partner, or did you have a group of people that you were seeing? Were you seeing other musicians, or? Um, you know, it's funny. It's like hard to even remember all of. <laughs> all of it but um it was mostly my partner and our dogs and we you know in the early part of it we weren't seeing anybody else it was just us and then you know as it kind of got later i think we started to see people who you know we would see friends at outdoor gatherings and we would meet and sit far away from each other and in a field um, but I wasn't seeing um, very many other musicians I mean I was seeing other musicians I wasn't playing music with anybody else um, it was really just uh, my husband Andrew and I were pretty focused on you know using the time to put these put this batch of songs together and when you say batch of songs do you think there's is there a through line to bed of river is there a theme, thematic through line to the album? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the image Bed of a River, you know, came because, um, you know, just the feeling of something being on the bottom of water rushing over it and just being kind of tossed and thrown around. And um, that was kind of the feeling. And so... I think maybe that could be the through line in terms of just, I don't know, to me this album has a lot to do with observation and just kind of um, sitting with whatever comes. And, you know, I don't know that there was like a through line in terms of a, a potential goal of these songs. I think that they kind of became themselves and they, you know, continue to explain to me what they wanted to do. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I get, I still feel like I'm 
listening to them and figuring out where they came from. not like this this album is is just you playing guitar and singing with with Andrew accompanying it's a full band experience tell me how that how that developed over the past year um, Andrew and I worked really hard on some demos we made demos with lots of instruments um, we had drums and bass and guitars and keys and um, we made these demos and then we were still in kind of lockdown so we were trying to figure out how we wanted to record it and um it wasn't until the spring of 21 that we decided and went out to richmond virginia and um worked with this house band at a studio called space bomb and so these were people that we didn't um know personally but we knew of them as players and we knew their music and were a big fan of that studio and it was kind of, you know, because we were so isolated in making the songs um, that we kind of had this idea of looking at studios that were just kind of like, you know, dream studios. Let's see if, what if we email, you know, Spacebomb and see if they have you know, if we could afford it or if it would make sense for us. And um, I don't know, it just worked out and it worked out with our budget and we, it was a huge gamble and we were really, you know, it was a big adventure. It was still before flying was really a thing. So we ended up driving from California to Richmond, Virginia and, um, and then spending 10 days there kind of recording with this incredible band that just, was so amazing to work with and just really, really talented, um, just complete, you know, masters. And um, worked with a producer named Matthew E. White, who has some music out that we also really loved. And um, yeah, we came, we came to that session with some pretty developed demos and a really good idea of what we wanted. And then we were able to kind of play those songs for this band and they were able to then record it. Um, and, you know, we were able to record with them as far as vocals and guitars and stuff like that. But the, um, we did a lot of, we did the drums and the bass and um, a lot of guitars and a lot of keys with the house band is based on. And all from a blind email that you sent, reaching out to them, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's how that's how that started.
a is there a certain track on on uh, bed of a river that came out completely different than you anticipated it once you anticipated once you got in the studio? Um, that's a good question. There was there was one track that we recorded there that was um, not quite right when we came back to California and we realized that we wanted to re-record it and so we ended up re-recording it with our band that we play with live in California and the band that did Deep to Have It um, and we ended up recording that song up at Panoramic Studios and so there's one song on the album that is recorded in a completely different place with completely different players. And it is? Which song? Um, it's a song called Lineage. It's a song kind of about uh, where we live and just um, uh, my husband and I love to surf and we love to get in the water and that was one of the things that we did a lot um, I mean we try to do a lot anyways but during lockdown that kind of felt really nice to be able to reconnect to just kind of the natural world and the psyche of our sense of place here um, so lineage is about about that, it's about being in the water. Since it was recorded with a completely different group of players, 
How is that going to work? Well, we've been playing a lot of these songs live um, with our band, and it's been working really well. I mean, the band that we play with in California is incredible, and um, you know, we love playing with them. We've been playing with them for years, and um, you know, I think, I think without the pandemic, where we were, you know, kind of in the situation where we had to make music in a vacuum with just Andrew and I. You know, I think we would have been making these songs with that band, um, <clears throat> but because we couldn't see them and we couldn't play with them, um, you know, we just made them together, and then we kind of have this template to to put together in a studio. So, um, yeah, I think that we'll just play them uh, the way that they're recorded, and I'm sure there'll be some some different slight differences, but that's the plan. I felt like this album really expanded on your guitar sound, if that makes sense, as a as a non-musical person, but a person who loves music might say. I mean, for instance, on hers, the guitar work on hers is so awesome. I think tones and, and you know, textures and sounds is something that is always um, a priority to explore. Um, and especially, you know, my husband Andrew, who is, um, is, you know, a really talented guitar player and is also really talented at kind of honing in on the details of tone and, you know, creating atmosphere with guitars. Um, I think we also were really lucky to work with this guitar player in Richmond uh, named Alan Parker, who's just really incredible and he's the one doing that electric, electric kind of like yeah. that part, that really percussive. Um, and, you know, I think that was Alan and he just, you know, blew us away with so many things that he did on this record. But um, yeah, I really love the guitar work on, on hers specifically. Well, it must have been amazing when you first heard it come to ride.
like the idea of sitting with it because this is a perfect record to sit with I mean it I, to me it's not just listening to one track it's listening to the whole thing and sitting with it also builds anticipation for when you do perhaps you know hit up a few venues I've been feeling like the pace of music industry and just the pace of life and everything it's, I'm realizing that I'm just kind of a slower mover and um, that's kind of how I take music in is I like to really listen to it and let it kind of sink in before I go see it and I I don't know I feel like this this record is suited well for that totally 100% when you look back at bed of a river although it's just now coming out but do you think in, in 15 years when you look back what are you going to remember the most? I don't know. I think I'll just remember. I think it will be the thing that helps me remember this time, this chapter of, you know, uninterrupted. Like this, it was. It's just been a strange couple of years, and I'm glad that there is, um, you know, kind of a sonic season that I can recall with listening. What do you think is a great song to end the? Or, or chat with? Um, probably Winter Fruit. Uh, Winter Fruit is a nice, I, I feel like of all the 
songs, Winter Fruit was written kind of a little time capsule of each season for each verse. So to me, that song kind of encompasses that year. And um, I really love that one. Well, it's been awesome chatting with you again. I just, I, you know, love your music. And this album again goes into my pantheon of probably one of the best of 2022. So thank you for bringing it into the world. Thank oh, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Something booming out of place. Flowers
was West Marin's Kelly McFarlane and Winter Fruit off her latest LP, Bed of a River. Although the interview was recorded in December, Kelly has just recently held two special album release events on Mount Tam that sold out in minutes. I guess all the people who got to sit with the LP love it, as do I. In January, I hosted two nearly lifelong friends from San Diego who both moved up to the Bay Area and reconnected to form a band a few years back. Together, Derek Shaw and Daniel Owens are stepchildren, and at the start of the year, they released their debut LP called Nar Noir, a post-apocalyptic concept album that is not a sonic downer, but rather a polished 80s and 90s-influenced record that stands out as a must-hear Bay Area release. I started my stepchildren guest artist segment off with the opening track and dance banger off the LP called Nuclear Summer. Yeah, it all gave it away, sugar. 
nice to meet you, Daniel and Derek. I, a, it, thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. And I, I've been digging the album. Thanks for sharing it with me. Nice. Glad appreciate you like it. We appreciate it. It's your second LP, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, our first record we uh, put out in 2017, so it's been quite some time. Um, Daniel left the band uh, for a few years. They're pursuing us. Uh, kind of continuing education and stuff and um so we kind of reconvened right before COVID actually if I'm not mistaken and kind of we just started working on stuff again initially not even not trying to make a record we were actually working on kind of more soundscapey uh soundtrack sort of vibes to our friend's documentary that that he was working on and it kind of just morphed into to this so when did it morph into a concept album? Well, uh, I'm sure he has, Derek has a lot of thoughts on this. I think uh, COVID being on lockdown and just being all cooped up inside invited this um, just creativity and just wanting to explore um, music making. And I, I think the pandemic, we had this, idea of like dystopian vibes and we've been working on electronic music that kind of had that tinge to it so we the more and more we started to compose and develop these songs it's like okay i think we have something here and then um i don't know mm -hmm. yeah and i mean just lyrically i, I kind of channeled a lot of stuff that was going on in my personal life at the time kind of going through a breakup and still living with the person um and it kind of was all magnified with with COVID and the lockdown and just not being able to see other people and uh, not having much of an outlet and uh, just your problems getting exacerbated. Um, so we kind of filtered that into the con. We've always kind of enjoyed making conceptual records, uh, concept albums, if you will, I guess. Um, even our last one had a, a framework within the context of like this oil tycoon and 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 stuff like that. So with this, we kind of want to do a post-apocalyptic sort of vibe with basically like, in my head at least, the setting was that the the war or the world's been ravaged by nuclear war. And then uh, kind of things have, you know, just been kind of thrown completely up in the air and civilization sort of rebuilding itself. And you've been cooped up with your partner underground in a bunker maybe uh, for all that time. And you're kind of trying to figure out um, what you mean to each other in, the, in this brave new world as well as like how to uh, pick up the pieces and start it start anew wake up think on your feet monday wish you never existed i'm making peace with the anti-sheets where the mind and the body are distant make up for the time that's wasted the people and the planets are drifting say if there's a if, if there's an apocalypse I want this album with me because there's some dance bangers on here um, new wave um, I think is in where that's an influence also some industrial 90s like Trent Reznor era um, that's all 
part of the package, I would say. Um, we both grew up listening to a lot of 90s uh, grunge and punk. So there's a little bit of that too. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of mix, mixes in there. Well, and who does the vocals? I do. Because I would love to go to a karaoke night with you sometime and just do a bunch of Duran Duran songs because it's very Simon Le Bon in your, in your inflection and yeah. your, um, again, I use the term tone and palette. It just, uh, which is, to me, it's high praise. Well, thanks. Um, I think a huge touchstone for the record was Depeche Mode. So that's probably closer to our, our taste, but that's all kind of in the same world back then. And I mean, we were in the eighties babies. We wanted to kind of like touch on that nostalgia a little bit and bring some of that synth pop kind of vibes to a more contemporary palette and push it forward to make something that feels vaguely familiar, but also futuristic and kind of experimental and adventurous at the same time. Um, so yeah, this is kind of our first time. We've messed around a little bit on our own, doing just various projects and um, things for other people where we used electronic kind of um, an aesthetic as well as synthesizers. I bought a few analog synths and he has a bunch of toys and gadgets that we utilize as well for making sounds that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily be able to make organically. We always kind of have stuck in the confines of indie rock for for the most part, up until this record, um, with Statrill and Elise. So this was like an opportunity to really delve into that um, world and really have some fun. This is, this is your pandemic album, so to speak, yeah. because it was born during the pandemic. But because it's a conceptual album, it's to the listener's choice to, to uh, choose whether or not to put it in the pandemic sense or put it in back into your concept sense. Yeah, exactly. And we always try to keep it pretty open. I mean, it's never going to be very prescriptive regardless of anything that we do, so you can kind of interpret it your own way. There's certainly socio-political um, kind of commentary tones throughout, but it's also you can look at it in the context of a toxic relationship with all that nuclear kind of fallout, figuring out how to shake that off and like live a normal life after uh, being exposed to some crazy times. So. Well, and one of the lines that, you know, in putting it in today's world perspective, you know, twenty end of 2022, one of the lines that struck me the most was in Silverfish, uh, when you say uh, people act funny around a whole lot of money. And, yeah. you know, that just made me think and be more, even more angry <laughs> about the, you know, ruling billionaire class and whatnot. So, uh, you yeah. know, as I said, it's all in your perspective. Yeah, and I feel like that's a pretty timeless line. So money's been the root value for a long, long time and will continue to be. Coffee to feed on, sugar to mill, ruining the conversation. Love can't settle the bills, the cleanup spills. It won't quell the infestation. Running out of seasons, jacked up as jail, tripping over constellations. Still on chapter one. 
you both end up in the city in San Francisco? Yeah, I moved here right after I moved here right after college, and then Derek moved a few years after then. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was here. I was back. I was in the city in 2006, and then I got here in 2014. So that's kind of when Stepchildren began, and even that was just kind of at first. Like I was going through another breakup, but frankly, during that time, and we get some stuff off my chest. Uh, we got a, an EP out of that, and then just started building from there. We we've done two EPs, and this is now our second full length. And where are you recording? Where did you record uh, Nar Noir? A couple of different places. Um, our good friend and engineer, David Lips, he actually is a former member of the band. He plays, he's an amazing drummer. He has a studio up in Sebast- Sebastopol. Yeah, Sebastopol. He used to have a studio here in the city, but then he moved up to Sebastopol. So we record a lot there, but then we also recorded at his friend's place in Milwaukee. I uh, did some a uh, little bit of post-production stuff there. So a lot of, I don't know, somebody else? Yeah, a lot of components. I mean, yeah, his uh, our friend that we just mentioned, his name Keith Milgaten, and he helped mix the record as well. That was kind of one of the last legs of this whole process and production um, in Wisconsin. But yeah, we, actually, we did track a lot of it ourselves compared to past recordings. And I think that was able to be achieved because a lot of it is electronic and what they call in the box with different software tools and stuff that we employed. So Daniel is responsible for a lot of that work. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess we, I completely forgot. We did we did do a lot of our recording here yeah. in my, uh, I have a, one of the rooms in my apartment's studio. So yeah, mm-hmm. we, did, we did it like that. That's- so so it sounds like, uh, Derek, that you you do the heavy lifting on, on most of the lyrics. And Daniel, you're the sonic, uh, brother so to speak i mean we collaborate on everything but lyrics and vocals i let derek do his thing <laughs> you know he has tons of ideas and in terms of narratives and um themes and things around that but i really like to enjoy i, I enjoy creating mood you know using compositional tools to like an instrumentation to create a vibe but we're always we're we work to get we collaborate on all that stuff um but yeah yeah, I mean, we, we we cross over a lot. He certainly has a lot of ideas with vocal melodies and stuff like that. And we we do partner on a lot of the way the ends up, music ends up and stuff, and we kind of chip away at it. But we kind of respect our our, our separate kind of um, trades roles. And, and yeah, avenues and roles and lanes. We, we stick in them, though we also cross over a lot because we are so collaborative and we've worked together so long that we can kind of anticipate each other's needs are like what we're thinking a lot of times and just play off of each other. We throw a lot of stuff off out there that gets either um, developed or thrown to the side, but it's kind of like a safe space between us because we do respect each other a lot and um, a lot of cool, fun ideas come out of that. When you hear the siren, clear off the mattress, jump in the bathtub, seal off the fortress, lean on your toes and peel off your clothes in a submarine torpedo. Buzzing alarms, puffing up vessels, puffing cigars, racking up missiles, decode the contract, exploding on contact. Your name is fun to run and play.
represents a pretty big range stylistically and we did shoot for that but we also like you alluded to earlier we wanted bangers we wanted to make people move and dance um there are some more slower mid-tempo songs but we wanted everyone to hit hard and have a huge hook and just like uh be kind of like a journey unto itself so when you were sitting when you first started kind of writing and before you had decided this was going to be a concept album did you kind of discuss where you were headed, or did it just kind of happen organically? Yeah, well, uh, it, the theme started to coalesce, I think, after our friend asked us to uh, create some music for the documentary, and they were like, ooh, we got something here, this is interesting, and then we're in the middle of COVID, and we're thinking, like, it's so weird being in lockdown, what's happening? You know, um, and then I think it started to become pretty clear that we could just make an LP with this theme in mind. It seemed to have a lot of momentum and we just kept going. we've ever taken quite this long with the project but with everything that happened in the world as well as the fact that it is a lot more nuanced and like dynamic and intricate I think that it's safe to say that these tracks are these songs have a lot more tracks per song than probably some of the stuff we oh, do across. Yeah, by far so. meaning well meaning like you know if I showed you our uh, projects the work a project the work our project you see like 50 on some songs which is normal for a lot of electronic artists but for us that's different, you know. Yeah. We're so, so, yeah, so you felt like you took a huge leap, um, you know, in your craft with this album. Yeah, and it, but it didn't feel like uncomfortable. It felt like we need to do this, you know. And it just kind of it, it, we were kind of invited into this this kind of thing, and it didn't feel intimidating. It felt exciting. Mm -hmm. So it was been fun. I felt like the next step in the evolution of our writing together and we're not necessarily beholden to you know a ton of fans or labels I've kind of felt like we don't we weren't worried about alienating anyone we just wanted to make the coolest um record that we could at this time in our lives and, and where we are creatively so like one of my favorite tracks on it is Disbelievers oh cool. yeah That's I a just it it uh no because it, it just kind of brought everything down and together and it almost felt like a george michael ballad to me mm -hmm. it's definitely that's yeah, probably the slowest song on the record and actually I, i'll say that that was the one song that was actually written before these others i think we had written it maybe even back in 20 late 2017 like right as daniel was gonna um go do his own thing for a while so we thought we did think that though that sonically it kind of started hinting at where we would go years later 
and we brought it into Fooled because um, I kind of I ended up changing the lyrics. Probably rewrote the lyrics more to that song than I've ever done with any song. I must have done it four or five different times, like whole different concepts and everything. But we made it work for this record, and I, I'm glad you said that because um, we were hoping it, it does flow seamlessly. So. perfect second to last track it gives you a breather and then you know kind of let you regroup and think about what you've listened to before and put it in context and then it closes so I just I just felt like the whole project was very intentional and I enjoyed it a lot awesome thank you part of like when we started we kind of wanted them all to be four to the floor like banger in your face dance tracks but then I'm glad that we slipped in some more mid-tempo and slower ones too that have you know, more space in them and also just kind of like probably a bit more evocative emotionally as well. Who knows what the next thing will will be, but I think that like this experimentation and usage of electronics and synth is probably going to be here to stay because we're really excited about that. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat so much with me about the LP. I do adore it. So uh, I really appreciate your time to tell me your story and the backstory of everything. Thank you so much. Appreciate you interviewing us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. All that we want is not all we need. It's not what we had dreamed to be. Who do you believe?
song Ceasefire from Stepchildren off their debut LP, Nar Noir. You can find the LP on all the streaming services, but even better, buy it on Bandcamp by searching for Stepchildren SF. This is MJ, and you're listening to a Best of West of Twin Peaks radio featuring Bay Area guest artists I've featured over the past few months. January was a great month for the show because I also hosted the East Bay band Abracadabra the project of Hannah Skelton and Chris Niles. Their latest album, Shapes and Colors, has enjoyed enormous success internationally, so I thought you'd like to hear my great chat with the duo conducted before the album took off, starting with this song, Talk Talk. Thank you. 
Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Doing, doing not too bad. Having a cup of coffee right now. Nice, nice, nice. Well, thanks for taking the time today uh, to chat with me about the upcoming album. You know, congratulations. This is great having new, fresh new music, you know, in January. I think it's a great time to release an album, actually. Yeah, I think so too, especially a couple, you know, a few days, weeks into the new year, it feels like a nice fresh start. And I think people are ready for, you know, something a little new. Oh, totally, totally. Speaking of which, the name of the album is Shapes and Colors. And I wondered if you could kind of tell me what kind of sonic picture you're painting with Shapes and Colors. Never thought on that one. That's a great question. Well, I think there is a running theme of sort of the collage feel to the sound um, through and through. You know, all of the songs have this collage aspect to them with a lot of sampling and different textures. You know, it pulls comes from a line in one of our songs, you know, obviously the title song, Shapes and Colors, which uh, was inspired by a, a especially appropriate that it's the second of the year right now, um, a very psychedelic New Year's that kind of gave us these abstract feelings, abstract kind of visuals, and it really set us in a good mindset.
context, we it was written during the winter of 2020. And instead of going to visit family for the holidays, we decided it wasn't a great idea. So we used vacation time that we were, you know, planning on being gone for. We used that to write the the new album. And sort of the end of that was <clears throat> this New Year's Eve that was ended up being very psychedelic and, and staying home. And so it kind of felt appropriate since that was like the punctuation of our songwriting period to have the, the song that was written about that last night um, as the title track. So this was, was this New Year's Eve 2020 into 2021? Yes. yes. So it was literally like two years ago was this new, was this transcendent New Year's Eve? Yeah. Yeah, that was when the bulk, it was almost like a couple weeks of just really furious creative energy just happened in focus, you know, in a way that we normally don't have, you know, especially just functioning in this capitalist society where we're working full time um, and we just try and fit in music where we can. We had this really rare opportunity to just really dive into it and get in a rhythm and, and explore these ideas in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, for days on end, rather than just trying to fit it in on a weekend night, you know, every other week. Is that the first time at you as, both of you as artists, have really had that kind of time to deal with your passion rather than your, you know, what you're doing to pay for your passion? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for me, absolutely. It was actually really eye-opening um, to see the kind of creativity that can happen with a fresh brain um, in the morning while you're drinking your coffee instead of like at the end of the night when you've already given a lot of yourself away to your job. And um, yeah, it was really eye-opening for me. And I, I honestly really hope to make it a a ritual that can happen again. So after we after we finished that intense songwriting period, um, you know, we were still emerging from that in early 2021, pre-vaccines. And so we actually had to be pretty creative with our studio time. And so we would do these, like, you know, maybe we would test and be careful for a little while. And then we would schedule three consecutive days um, in the studio. And then we'd have like, a period of time in between again mm -hmm. everything was a bit more spaced out because you couldn't just casually pop into the studio um like you can in you know now so i think that 2021 a lot of it was was spent bringing the demos to life in the studio and chris and i are both so meticulous with everything and like we just we go wild. <laughs> so so it's perfect to have a year of, of just fine tuning everything. Mm -hmm.
again, that, that rhythm of staying in it, of really hearing it, and, you know, not rushing it. I feel like the care and the collage of sound and the balance, it's, it really benefited from that. Well, and getting... <laughs> I don't know if we're capable of rushing anything, because yeah. like I said, we just, we get so deep into the mix even, and and just like layering and blending all of these textures. I don't know if we could rush it. <laughs> well, and speaking of layering and blending the textures, I mean, the, the post-production work, you know, the post-studio work, the mixing and whatnot would seem pretty intense. And I, I'm thinking of the track In a Zoo. mixed a lot of natural sound and brought sounds in from nature. It wasn't just uh, stuff you're creating from synths and whatnot. To go to the zoo and sample <clears throat> all of the animals, find some loud birds and record them. <laughs> no, it was really fun actually um, mixing that song at the zoo and also Swim. It has a lot of animal samples in it too. And so when we were talking with Jason in the studio and mixing things, it was hilarious because we'd be like, well, I just, I need more seagulls. Like, can we turn up the seagulls? Or, you know, oh, that's a little too much donkey. Or like we had a few random samples in there. That's too much hyena. Can we tuck the, that howling dog in a little bit? <laughs> have a combination of kind of field recordings that we'll do and also we are prolific uh, sample diggers uh, with Jason. So we have scoured the public access uh, <laughs> That's why I was bins of, of all time. I was like, do we want to give away our secrets right now? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Tell them about our samples. <laughs> But we we try and get a little combination where we're we're very proactive and it's it's incredible these days that you know with your iPhone you can record moments as they're happening that are totally spontaneous. I've definitely done that and captured some really interesting moments just at like a record store or something or out and about where you just like you you reflect on where you are at that point in time and you're like, well, this is really interesting. These just the way that. These people are this conversation, not necessarily this conversation, but just the sounds of life. Yeah, yeah. And with this song, we did want some, we just, uh, some of our favorite records sneak in some really great animal sounds. And we wanted to incorporate that 
and also kind of make it some of them almost seem not so obviously animals like you know kind of tuck them in and some of the like in at the zoo the hyena sounds are so bizarre uh that it almost sounds like a synthesizer at times <laughs> The, one of the singles that you've released so far in a photo strikes me as like an anti-Instagram rant. <laughs> <laughs> Am I close or no? I mean, that one, I guess, was just sort of poking fun at all of the phonies of the world who have overly curated themselves. And it's not necessarily specific to, to Instagram, but it applies to, it, it applies to everything. Yeah, um, yeah. But yes, there's throughout the whole album, there's definitely an undertone of. Um, I, I'm definitely exploring technology and its impact on our day to day life because we're in such a unique time. Um, it's everywhere and it's constant and it's it's not healthy for so many of us. in the album and I think it crops up on two songs it's on like telling time and dawn of the age of Aquarius there's moments when you get kind of jammy is what I would refer to as jammy which I feel is you know kind of goes back to a little bit of Grateful Dead vibes it's a Bay Area vibes thing thoughts yeah you know I that is the first we've heard these again these are great questions that's the first we've had someone kind of ask about like jamming um and i would say a lot of our songs are we're really like really focused on them but really groove centric but they are very like very rhythm focused and when we're writing songs they're typically the the genesis the start of them is centered around bass and drums and so, and we'll really dive and, and get and explore the rhythm. I think that's been a big theme on this on this record in particular, and really kind of sit in like a key or a chord for a long time and think about how we can explore that versus maybe having a song that's more kind of based around chords or chord progression that sees us more exploring that that kind of a thing. And so I feel like when we're exploring these rhythms, it does give it a sense of jam, of jamminess, because we're like really sitting in it, we're layering, and we're getting into all these different kinds of areas of the, of the sonic experience of these highs and lows and mids and everything. So we definitely, I can definitely hear that. Uh, and that's part of what I think is, is really fun because we, 
I've you know been playing bass for like 20 years and it's really fun to have these moments where we'll like we'll get a good rhythm and we'll just let it ride for as long as we feel it stands on its own. great little song that would be talking heads blondie-ish and stuff and it would end in two minutes but you grew it out and let it breathe and I really appreciated that because it's like you wanted more and then you went into that and it was like boy this is this is awesome I love the fact that you just let it breathe. It's perfect that you mentioned talking heads because actually I had been reading <clears throat> a book by David Byrne um, how music works. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's it. It's been a minute since I read it. Um, but he was talking about how they would, as a group, pick a, a chord and just try and have a whole song with only one chord. And that was actually part of what drove some of these. I mean, I hadn't considered them jammy necessarily, but they are. A lot you of know, qualities. We're yeah. sticking in in this one chord and really just feeling it out for as long as we want to. And that was somewhat inspired by David Percussion on the album is awesome, um, and that kind of reminded me of Toro y Moi and and Brigine and you know, so I really felt like it had a Bay. It ha it definitely has a Bay Area vibe to it. How cool! That's so great. It's such a huge compliment. Thank you. And we love those artists, so it's it's great to be you know even mentioned in their company. And I think that with the percussion, that was a big focus. Um, for us, this album, this particular set of songs, you know, just going back to the fact that we really are focusing on rhythm and drums, and that felt like the next kind of area for us to really kind of uh, dive into and explore and think of creative ways to use percussion to supplement uh, or enhance the existing rhythm or to swap things out in a way that's a little more unconventional, like I know in our song Swim, we have a clave that's essentially doing the role of the hi-hat. Um, and so instead of the drums doing that, we have this interesting pattern and that kind of gives it this, you know, this really cool and interesting groove that allows you to just like get really into the song and, and, and bob your head and whatnot. <laughs>
shooting definitely for an album release show probably in the beginning of February although we're still locking down the right date the the date um, for that so in fact hopefully by the time this episode airs <clears throat> we'll have that date locked in and we can share that with you because yes. it's so close to having it yep. finalized so we're, we we definitely have I've been putting a lot of effort into that, and we are going to South by Southwest this year. So we're very excited to get on the road for uh, and tour there uh, back to support these songs. And it's particularly exciting for us because this would be the first time that we've had the opportunity to, to tour and play outside of the Bay Area. You know, on account of uh, COVID and, and our album coming out in 2020, we just, we haven't had the opportunity to. And we have an epic band. We have such talented musicians that are dedicating their time to this project. And we just feel, we feel so lucky and so excited to go play some shows. Yeah. Exciting. Well, I really thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and your music and everything. And I just wish you the best in the new year. Can't wait to uh, see what see what the show schedule looks like. Aw, thanks for having us on your show. We really appreciate it. Be well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Happy Goodbye. New Year. Happy nice New Year. Bye.
That was Dawn of the Age of Aquarius, the closing track off the new Abracadabra LP, Shapes and Colors. You can follow news about Abracadabra on Instagram at abracadabra-music and find their music at all the usual places. This is MJ, and you're listening to a Best of West of Twin Peaks Radio. San Francisco's Maria Donjaker is a familiar name on the local scene as the former drummer in Lo-Fi Legs and currently for the femme band Secret Secret. This time, she's stepping out as the frontwoman of her own band called Med School. She sonically bears her soul in her debut LP, appropriately titled Raw. My chat with Maria is coming up in a minute, but first let's hear the opening track and title track from her fantastic new album. This is Raw. It's great to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. This is like your third appearance, I think, on on West oh, really? Twin Peaks. Yeah, um, Lo-Fi Legs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret, 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 and now 
what I would call your solo project, although it's a band. Who do you have playing in the band with you? I have so many great people. Um, Marika Stroman, who's also in Secret Secret. Um, she plays bass. Um, Aubrey Cuchito on drums. They're in a bunch of other projects as drummers are, um, but the main one is Um. And then um, Autumn Carroll on lead guitar and Jack Lillian on um, keys and uh, uh, rhythm guitar. That is awesome. And we are recording this right before, like in the hours before your record release show for Raw. How are you feeling about tonight? Yeah, I'm feeling excited. You know, there's obviously like always a little bit of apprehension before the show, but I feel good. I'm excited. I know my, hopefully my mom's going to come. So it'll be a good time. <laughs> well, and Raw is is literally just that although it's not sonically raw it's lyrically <laughs> raw uh you're exposing a lot of intense personal emotions and stuff uh how are you feeling about performing that live um yeah i feel like we've we've been playing shows so we've been playing these songs for you know about a year now so um it's feeling i feel a little bit more distance from also from the like experiences that triggered these <laughs> songs um so i'm feeling a uh, a little bit of distance from that vulnerability but it's still also pretty exhausting after a performance um to kind of be like wow that was you know because i kind of try and go back into those feelings a little bit so it can be a little bit exhausting but it's a little less scary now that i've done it a, a couple of times like having performed these songs people come up to me and they say how much that it resonates so it's kind of a you know experiences that a lot of people can put their own stories into Let's do a little backstory on this. When did these songs start being written? Up until, kind of up until the pandemic, I hadn't really been um, writing too many songs, um, just kind of like gigging as a drummer. And, and um, I would say I was part of the writing process for um, both Secret Secret and Lo-Fi Legs, but um, I was never the, the lyricist or the, you know, making up the melodies as much. So. Um, I kind of wanted to take a stab at that and um, yeah so starting earlier in the pandemic and then I just started there was a moment where I had to just kind of like let go of the self-judgment that was coming up I was stopping myself from writing before I had even um, you know started anything I would just be like oh that's dumb or that's stupid so I just had to kind of go through a process of being like that 
little voice in my head is just stopping me. There's no merit behind what it's saying. So just go for it. This entire um, album being a self-discovery album and almost a freedom album um, in embracing that and you were just saying that that self-judgment was stopping you from proceeding with that that seems like a big turning point not not just in your songwriting but in your life yeah most definitely most definitely um, yeah I was in um, a relationship that was not that was not serving me so a lot of these um a lot of these songs were written like right after i kind of made the decision to leave that relationship behind um and the feelings that kind of were coming up after that and i'm glad that you got that from the album because that's definitely how it felt was you know self-discovery and self um love and just kind of you know choosing to be raw and vulnerable rather than, you know, just hiding um, and, and really being true to like how I was feeling and what my needs were.
the two songs that really jumped out at me and that came one right after the other and really to me said she's really in a moment of, <laughs> of gro a growth moment and that was from clouds of dust to north lake yeah those songs definitely are some of the most like um yeah intense feelings wise for sure um clouds of dust was actually written before at kind of a turning point before i realized that this you know relationship was not um good for me um, but it kind of came before i realized that but when i realized that i had just been stopping myself it was one of the first songs that i had written um i, I think it might have been the first song that i wrote for this album um and i was kind of in the midst of you know lot like lockdown so a lot of like <laughs> depression and confusion about what was going on in my life and the world in general and also realizing that i was stopping myself from from loving myself somehow with all this sort of self-critical so it's kind of a yeah that that um song is definitely like a clearing of like oh i don't have I don't have to hate myself. <laughs> I can just love who I am right now and work on things I want to work on and I don't have to be so critical. And then it moves into North Lake, which seems like a, a specific experience of making that break with your former partner. Yeah, very, very specific place and memory. Um, yeah, we had lived, moved up to Tahoe um, to, uh, in, during the pandemic, because um, we both are musicians. So you're like, we got nothing to do. Let's go up to Tahoe. There's already been like issues in our relationship. It was like, okay, I guess we'll move in together. It's COVID, whatever. Um, <laughs> and it was not good. It was not good at all. So I had, you know, there was just a moment where he just completely broke down and just disappeared. Um, and it was very dramatic. And so that, that song is definitely very rooted in that place, in that. But when I'm singing it, I'm picturing that house that we were in. No one was that 
All the emotions that you were going through while you were writing this and, and probably producing it and whatnot, and the what you just said about coming out of your shell physically, so to speak, in in front of an audience and and mm -hmm. as part of a project, do you think that's the physical manifestation of your self discovery as well? Yeah, totally. I think it's also. Um also just a mixing of two of things that I've done. I, I actually went to SF State and got a degree in dance. And before the pandemic, I kind of was actually more thinking that that would be a, my career path would be a, to be a dancer. Um, and music kind of took over um, as of now, but I'm trying to kind of find a way to bridge those two disciplines that really make a lot of sense to me. Um, and a lot of, uh, I think something that stopped me or was uh, a transition for me in starting to write lyrics was most of my like feelings start in my body and they don't really have many words and so I think I was also learning how to translate the feelings that I have that I would you know dance out how to make those into a lyrics um, and and visual you know pictures and stuff like that so I think that being being in the front is allowing me to kind of bridge my those two passions of dance and music when you first like gathered everybody at the recording studio or at the studio and, or wherever and mm -hmm. started to pound out the sonics of this whole thing did you have a discussion about what you wanted it to sound like definitely had 
ideas um, that I would maybe come like, oh, it could sound kind of like this or, uh, but definitely it was more, I, hopefully, well, from my perspective, it felt collaborative. Hopefully the band members think that as well. I definitely had, you know, I was in the position of director, um, but it felt very collaborative in the way that we were all, you know, coming in and play the song. I like that what you did there, I, you know, maybe less of this, more of that, you know, kind of, uh, I think we didn't kind of, I didn't come in with like, I want this album to sound like this. It was kind of more song specific and the ideas that worked, worked. And, and your bandmates are really, you know, a, a huge part of the San Francisco music scene because you play in so many different projects. You've, you're not old by any means, but <laughs> you've been around for a while. What do you think the health is of the San Francisco music scene right now? I, I think that the SF music scene is doing really well. I, I know some folks get a little bit frustrated with, you know, how small it can feel here it's just you know it just you know physically smaller san francisco is only seven by seven and we have the bay the east bay as well but um i've been recently going back and forth or play we played a couple of shows in la with secret secret so just trying to like starting to expand and see what it's like in other places um and i've kind of realized that the sf music scene is very small in comparison um, to a lot of other scenes, but I think that's kind of the kind of the beauty of it is that there's a lot of community and there's a lot of support between bands and there's um, yeah if you go to a show you're gonna see some folks that you know and it's I I love that warm fuzzy feeling of knowing you know who's around and and just there but there's still new people to discover as well. Now that the album is out. Mm -hmm. What do you? What is your plan? Are you going to just do more local shows, or as you said, are you going to expand your wings and do a West Coast thing? Or what? What are your thoughts there? Um, yeah, I feel like all of us are so busy that I think I'm gonna. There's going to be just local shows for the you know for foreseeable future. I would love to play, um, you know, outside the Bay Area, but it just takes a lot of. Um, takes a lot of energy and effort to kind of put together a tour especially if you're not like you know getting taken on tour by another band if you're if you're DIYing it it's a lot of work um so I have you know Secret Secret has a bunch of new songs so we're like I think gonna put some energy into that band um and kind of let this rest for a second um but like I said I already have new music <laughs> hit me up again when 
you know, when A, you've got new music out, B, Secret <laughs> Secret has new music out, okay. or, or whoever else you're working with at the time. I for sure will. Thanks so much. That was the rock and song Boucha off the debut LP Raw by Med School. Available now on all streaming platforms, but please buy it on Bandcamp and support local artists. And that does it for this special Best of West of Twin Peaks Radio. I'll be back with a brand new show in two weeks when I introduce you to emerging local artist Asha Wells, who is very much following in the tradition of legendary female singer-songwriters like Joni Mitchell. Asha is getting ready to release her debut LP, and we'll chat about that and dive deep into the album. I'm going to leave you with a song off the record called Bonjour Tristesse. See you in two weeks. Take care of yourself. Be kind. Peace. Strange melancholy City dust settles on me I go to a Street lights in the concrete in the big green. Bonjour, Oh, 
Yeah, 